All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of the Starting 11 podcast. It's actually our 10th edition, which is a cool little milestone for us. Shows our consistency, you know, we're dedicated to bringing you guys the soccer news. So cheers to 10. Unfortunately, Morgan's not here to join us for that, but still got to deliver the news. So if you've been paying attention to any of the, you know, dirt sheets, blogs, news articles, this Man City situation is is the first thing you'll see. Uh, Man City is currently facing accusations got the preface with that because there's still accusations these aren't facts yet so we don't want to cast them as guilty without knowing 100 percent if this is true or not but they've been charged with a hundred different infractions to the premier league rules i guess uh, is the best way to put it but a hundred is a very daunting and and large number so in layman's terms i guess as much as you can with a messy situation like this it's really just like four main things the first of which was they were inflating some uh, like sponsorship deals. So like Etihad, for instance, their stadium sponsor, and I think Jersey as well. Um, let's just say the deal was like for twenty million. They let's just say hypothetically give them forty million under the table. So that's obviously infraction one happening over multiple seasons. The second during the early portion of this timeline, I think two thousand nine to two thousand eighteen, three of their coaches, Hughes, Pellegrini, and Mancini no specific order, were getting paid, obviously, by the club, but they were also technically a coach in uh, Abu Dhabi, I believe, and the requirement was working like four days a year, and they'd basically be getting the same amount that the club was, Man City was paying them too. So they're sending money through different corporations and basically money, money laundering at the end of the day. The third of which is more recently the lack of cooperation that the club has had with the Premier League during this investigation. You know, the club is saying that they've been providing extensive information and everything, but it's kind of arbitrary. You know, one person could say it's extensive, but the other person saying this isn't nearly enough of information. So, um, you know, they're they're kind of being difficult to work with. Well, there is there is the fact that they failed to provide um, full details on manager remuneration. There is the weird thing with like the sponsorship and all the stuff. And then they failed to cooperate with the UEFA on sustainability and also the financial rules of UEFA. Right, because back in 2020, they were originally banned for two years in UEFA competition, which, you know, they challenged it and everything. And I think they were... Uh, found innocent on a technicality or it was thrown out at least that also gets tricky because just because it gets thrown out doesn't mean that they're absolved of guilt it, at least in you know our eyes especially when the club's got all this money so they can pay for these legal fees to kind of extend the process and eventually get to the point where it's like this is so old that how are you going to punish us and i think that's what ended up happening with uefa but the premier league yeah. they don't have a timeline so you know yeah. this might not happen we're, we're not going to see any punishment tomorrow but the news is coming out now They've actually been um, investigating for like four years, which right. is huge. So it means that it goes deep and they've been knowing that for a long time and they just wanted like to get all the details. So that's why they've been charged for so many things because like the entire list of rules they've been breaking in the Premier League is like usually said there's like a hundred of rules. Um, so it's a huge, uh, huge investigation, and also it's uh, it's things that happened between 2009 and 2018, so almost 10 years. Again, it's usual. They they've been breaking uh, several rules of the Premier League between uh, during 10 years. So I think it's gonna go deep, like deeper than just penalty points on the table. You said 2009, which which transpires with yeah. when Man City was purchased too by 
the exactly uh, exactly so you know there's obviously we weren't born yesterday we can put two and two together there's you know a little bit of fishy timelines going on there yeah that, that corresponds to like the same period where man city has been growing up from like the the noisy neighbor of Manchester from like the, the huge European club we know now. Right. And that's another thing is you don't go from, from 10 years, you don't go from one of those clubs that you mentioned to being in the same realm as Manchester United, uh, Real Madrid type, as far as how much you're earning, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. Relatively speaking overnight, 10 years, that's kind of overnight in the football world. They've been playing for over 150 years, basically. Maybe yeah. not 150. And but... also a bit a thing that is i don't really know the right word for it but a good thing is that it's not about transfers like they're not weird money st- money money stuff about uh, around the transfers or because we're, we're talking about the financial fair play but the financial fair play is not only about transfers so in the case of man city they haven't been breaking about the financial fair play with transfers. It's it's different thing. It's like thing that goes outside the pitch. You talked about sponsorship. You talked about uh, manager remuneration. So at least we can say that it is cool that they haven't been breaking that with financial fair play with the transfers. It's it's like another thing which goes deep also, and it's not cool. But at least it's not about the transfers because it is true that so far in the recent years, most clubs that have been charged with the financial fair play was about weird stuff with the transfers. But apparently, Man City is cool with that, so it's like another stuff, which kind of reminds us about what happened with the Juventus a few a few weeks ago, and we talked about it. Yeah, I think we were when we were kind of figuring out what we wanted to talk about today. I think Grant had mentioned how um, there might be a little bit of parallels with that. Yeah, uh, the Juventus stuff is slightly different. Uh, I was watching a video from Gab Marcotti from ESPN, like a simple breakdown. And then like I have a pretty big example that I feel like people are going to remember of like Juve kind of doing it like in plain sight. So like, let's start out the way sales work. Juventus sells a player for 10 million. If you don't buy anyone in that window with that 10 million, uh, that's just 10 million added to your account. But in the same window, if you turn around, use that 10 million, you can spread it across like the player you buys transfer contract. So you buy a player with that 10 million that you just earned, uh, give them a five-year deal that's a $2 million loss over those five years. And that initial year, it looks like your $8 million is positive in the books, uh, which is completely legal. It's used by teams all the time. That's not the, the bad part, but that is the way you kind of manipulate the financial fair play. And the biggest one, and like I didn't really realize this in the moment, what they were doing, but it was a fishy transfer. Back in 2020, when Barcelona bought Pjanic for $60 million, we were like, why, what is going on here? Like, he's not worth $60 million. And then, like, the next day, week later, whatever, Juve then bought Arthur Mello from Barcelona for seventy-two. And then you're sitting there like, why didn't they just do a player swap and Juventus add on that $12 million fee, like, with it? And that's because... Now Juve can take that $12 million loss, spread it over the years, and you have a $60 million sale on your books. Uh, it's like a way of balancing the you're balancing the books or whatever, and it kind of lowers, even though you're going in debt, you're lowering that debt because you like still have that $60 million sale. I don't know the whole like technicalities on it, but that's what they're doing. Again, basically inflating the price. But and then people ask, the well, why doesn't? Yeah, and then people ask why like Juventus is getting in trouble and Barcelona isn't. 
And I think Morgan mentioned it on the podcast. Juventus is a publicly traded company and Juventus is also being accused in it. That's why they're going after him so hard of it being a systematic problem. And there are reports that like the officials there like openly talked about, like, we know what we're doing is wrong, but if we get away with it, like who cares? Like that's okay. And then Barcelona is owned by supporters. So there's a bunch of technicalities. It's not technically a public company, but it also doesn't fall fall under the private company rules either. So it'd be a lot harder to kind of go after Barcelona for this. I'm sure international law plays a thing into it too. Yeah, that's another thing too. And uh, Juventus, like we've mentioned before, years before, were kind of went after for like a similar similar thing. And then another, uh, the last kind of big thing Juventus did was during the pandemic, they obviously kind of took money like a lot of companies did. But on their books, they reported their players taking uh, a four month long pay cut, saving Juventus 90 million. So you go positive 90 million on the books uh, when reality it was found, they were only taking a pay cut for one month. So I don't know what one divided by 90 is, but surely it's not, <laughs> not great to have uh, on your financial books when you're claiming you saved 90 million and when in reality you're taking a quarter of that. But I don't know. I think what's interesting about the city thing is so Juventus right now took a 15 point deduction, uh, yeah. killing Euro- European tournament champ chances, and it loses them quite a chunk of money doing that. But and then the board members are facing punishments and bannings and stuff, and there's more hearings to come. But I was reading about the city stuff, and Lord Emilio mentioned it earlier, and I think this is a massive point when they were originally yeah. banned, or well, originally had that two year ban, the 30 million dollar fine that got like knocked out down to like 10 million dollars, whatever. It's nothing to them, um, too. Yeah, that was because UEFA has that five-year timeline, so it's kind of like the statute of limitations here. Anything like before that five years, they can't go after you for. The Premier League, however, like Emilio said, has all the time in the world to punish. Yeah, yeah City. And I was looking at some possible punishments, and some of them are suspended uh, the club from playing uh, league matches, points deductions. They can go back and replay games that like have happened this year in the Prem expulsion of the club, which would be wild to see. I feel like that's uh, probably the least likely. I know, but could you imagine but the yeah, city? We're like, talking about like Belgium? one of the biggest scandals ever. Yeah. But then there's fines. They can cancel, refuse new player registration. So they can't bring anybody in. Technically it is written that whatever the court sees fit for Man City. So I'm, I think, I wonder. Yeah. I think the most, things that is likely to happen and I think that is like the base punishment for that will be a points penalty like Juve and like most of clubs take when something like that happen so for a reminder currently Arsenal is first with 50 points second is Manchester City with 45 points and third is Manchester United with 42 so from the moment Manchester City takes a points penalty they'll be ejected from the podium uh, most likely that means that Manchester United will go second. So direct qualification for the Champions League. That will also tie the race between uh, United and Arsenal. And who knows how far, how many points City might take as a penalty and how far they might go down in in the tables because I've, I've only watched like the podium to do that. But maybe they could go down as four, fifth. You know, you, we might have clubs like Tottenham, for example. Sad that Morgan is not here today. But that yeah. goes up in the table because of that. So... We'll see. Um, in my mind, I mean, I don't remember hearing uh, you talked about Juve. It's quite. It used to be quite common in Italy to have uh, stories, you know, with the mafia and all the stuff in the football club. Yeah. But I don't. Re- I don't remember these kind of stories uh, in the past. Let's say fifteen years in the Premier League. I never heard uh, that kind of stories. 
I don't know, maybe you have one in memory, but in my mind, it's something that never really happened in, a, in Premier League history. Um, I was talking to my friend Danny right before this. He was talking about how Leeds kind of had the same thing. And then currently, as far as not financial fair play, but uh, with if like Manchester City is hit so hard. Actually, I do want to talk about that too. Evan kind of got into it, what he thought the punishment should be as of right now. Uh, Emilio, do you have any thoughts? Because I kind of have some. And you can't be biased for your Liverpool. You right, that's the thing. The is this is this is complete objective, hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Once we once once the tape rolls, all that goes out the window. But yeah, I mean, I think expulsion is definitely a bit extreme. That's, yeah. But the thing is, is like if Man City got relegated, would that would that actually like affect them that much in the like the grand scheme of things? Because then. They're just gonna end up winning like the championship the next year and come back in, and then they're gonna be top four every year again. It's like yeah, Holland's gonna the, drop sixty the thing, in the championship. The thing I think for yeah. me that is most fascinating, just waiting to see what happens, is last year Pep Guardiola was on record saying something along the lines of he questioned the executives and the bosses at Man City and asked if they were lying about the whole you know UEFA everything that happened in. They told him that they, you know, none of it was true, and and he believed them. And he said, you know, if you lie to me, then I'm out. I won't be here tomorrow, basically. So that's what I'm most interested to see. The thing is that if you get Man City relegated, like first of all, there is stuff with the UEFA too. So maybe I think like so most of what happened is is about the Premier League and Premier League rules. So obviously the Premier League would have the first word to say. But they also, as it was mentioned in, in the investigation report, that they failed to cooperate with the UFR on um, various stuff as, for example, the financial rules. So maybe the UFR will have a word to say in that too, not only like the Premier League. So I don't know, maybe relegated, maybe the UFR doesn't want Man City to not be in the Champions League because they're obviously part of like the big clubs that you want to have. So... I don't know if they get relegated. I think, as you said, they'd be up in the Premier League like the next year. But sometimes, you know, you never know. Being relegated for those reasons might not kill a club because Manchester City, despite not having the greatest of history in England, they are still an old club of, of England and they, have, they do have a story before uh, the past 10 years. Um, but it might it might do something to the club. You mentioned Guardiola leaving. Maybe some players that don't want to get involved into that weird money stuff, so they want to leave. Uh, the thing that scares me is that it's been a full, a full year's investigation, and it's something that happened between 10 years, which means that a huge is not just a thing that happened during just one season, or just like I see my line a few years ago that they just broke the financial fair play and transfer on like one season and say, all right, uh, transfer bans for one year. This is huge. This is four years of investigation and 10 years of wrecking rules of the Premier League. So we don't know so far how deep it goes because the first report and the first articles on, on medias were like uh, short summaries of the main lines. But uh, when we'll know more about it, it might go like very deep. And that what scares me with City is that They've been doing that for so long and the investigation took so long and got so deep that the sanction might be like bigger than than similar stories we heard in the past years. Yeah, that's kind of why I, as of right now, from what we know, I kind of believe Pep when he says that because this is all stuff that it sounds like most of it is stemming from before Pep got there and it's stuff like he necessarily wouldn't be dealing with. But yeah, as far as the city punishment goes, I think 
uh, a big factor in this that's going to play like obviously a huge part is the fact that UEFA went after them earlier and they kind of got off scot-free. I mean, a $10 million fine sounds huge, but uh, not for City. And now they're going to go, you probably should have served that. Now we're definitely going to hit you hard on this one because we got you. I think a potential couple window transfer ban might be in play. I think Chelsea recently was one that got hit with one of those. And that's definitely yep. damaging with your club if you can't spend money. And then maybe a couple years, yeah, being banned from the Champions League because they didn't serve it again when UEFA went after them. And I know that seems like a good punishment. I feel like you can't hit them with massive fines because that means nothing to them. And you can't force players out of their contract. So maybe potentially it hurts them when players are seeing, yeah, not playing in the Champions League, uh, contracts expiring, we're on a transfer ban, we're not going to be as strong, we're not going to compete for things we can compete in, like I might want to get out while I can. So yeah, definitely I think a transfer ban is coming for sure, and then uh Champions League ban. I just want to say, since Morgan can't be here, the Spurs curse strikes City again. First, recently signed Pedro Poro, we talked about that, stolen from City, and now the day after Tottenham beats him, all this stuff comes out for Manchester City. So, Morgan, this one's for you. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, too, because Harry Kane also broke the single season. Yeah. No, not the single season, not at all. It was the all-time goal record for Tottenham amongst all competitions. So, uh, yeah. what a milestone for Harry Kane. Congratulations to him. What a milestone for Morgan. Yeah. We were there yeah, right I'm, there by his I'm side. Glad, I'm glad we were there to watch it with him. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I think that's a great transition for the first Champions League preview. Talking yeah. about Hurricane Tottenham. <laughs> it's it, it really is a shame that he's not here because the first game that is being played is Tottenham versus Milan. The first game is in Milan. It's funny because if you only listened to this podcast and didn't watch any soccer, you'd think that Tottenham was facing relegation by the way that Morgan talks about them. But they're, <laughs> I know. they're still... Yeah. Like, they're in the top five right now. They're they're borderline Champions League for next year. So, uh, and we just talked about how they won yesterday. So, while looking at the matchups earlier in the month or or last month rather, I was just writing Tottenham off based off everything Morgan was saying. But I think Tottenham's going to advance. I think they're going to beat Milan. Milan's in sixth place right now in Syria, which um, yeah, it's kind of bottled between like three through six. So I don't want to write them off, but. They did just lose to Inter this weekend too. I'm I'm gonna go Tottenham. Yeah, I'm gonna go Tottenham too because even though like the couple of uh, last couple of games has been bad, there is that win against City, and and you're mentioning the um, you know the thing also with my line that that they have been pretty average in the past months. They've been struggling a lot. They haven't been as good as uh, they've been, for example, last season or earlier earlier this season, and. Whenever you get like you're playing bad in 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 the championship, just like Tottenham has been doing in the past couple of months, uh, the Champions League is is always a good way to um, you know start up and and start back in a better way, and it's a, it's a close matchup, um, obviously, but you know having the 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 second game at home for Tottenham and the, having that energy that is that maybe coming back with you know we mentioned the hurricane milestones and all stuff. I think I think they're gonna win again against Milan. I think it's a it's a takeable game. Yeah, I think both these teams are really streaky. I have no confidence in either of them either way I go. Yeah. Um, but I will say Tottenham all season their whole thing has been like they're a second half team. They're awful in the first half, uh, and it seems like they're riding 
they're going to find some form after that City win. I don't watch Tottenham every game like Morgan does, and I wish he was here to maybe correct me, but uh, that City game felt like the most complete game they've played all year. From, like, the start to finish, they were still attacking. It wasn't, like, backs against the wall. Now we got to kick into gear. And, yeah, What's interesting, too, is Antonio Conte wasn't on the sideline for that game. Yeah. And that was one of Morgan's bigger complaints this year has been. That's a sign. Yeah. That's a terrible sign for Conte. Like, the win against cities is when he's not here. Ooh, great point. And Emerson Royale looked like the best right back in the world. I don't want to be fickle, but now it's like, do I want to pick Milan? <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm, he still gonna, be... I'm, I'm still going to pick Tottenham. Yeah, it sounds like he'll still be out for the first leg of that from the appendix surgery. So we'll be that assistant coach. <laughs> now, well, here's the thing is now that we all picked, are, are we all in agreement that we think Tottenham's going to advance? Yeah. yeah. I think that might be an issue because now that we all picked them, they're totally just going to lose, right? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a Tottenham thing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the next game. PSG versus Bayern, and I know Evan. This is this is a uh, it's scaring yep. you, I bet, because you know you're from France, so I'm sure there might be a little bit of national pride at PSG. But at the end of the day, Bayern's your squad. No, <laughs> there is no pride in PSG. There is. I'm from the south. Uh, my hometown. I mean, not technically my hometown, but I live near. Has a team in in the League One, and yesterday I grew up too. a bit more. Yeah, I grew up a bit more with uh, Lyon and Marseille, so Paris is not really my team. There is players I like in Paris, and Mbappe being being the main one. But no, I just I just don't don't uh, don't cheer for Paris, and especially if there is against my team, which is Bayern. So yeah, um, definitely for Bayern, there's no cheering up about this game. <laughs> it's interesting because we got Mbappe out for the first leg. And yep. obviously they got Messi, they got Neymar, they got all these other players, but that's still Mbappe. So um, that changes the thing. Yeah. yeah, luckily this first game is in Paris for them, so they'll have that little bit of an extra boost from the Parisian fans. It's tough. It's very tough because either of these teams could realistically go all the way and win, but they they just happen to draw each other. It's kind of like how PSG yeah. drew Madrid last year. I th- I think Evan, I love you, but I think I'm going to pick PSG. I think. All right. Yeah, it's, it's it's been it's been I mean so far Paris uh had the momentum because so both teams for those not or not following uh, either League One or Bundesliga, uh, both team had a terrible start uh, uh yeah from the Since moment World they Cup. came back from World Cup. Uh Paris lost uh one or two games in League One. They've been struggling to win against uh teams from like the low table. Bayern Munich has been uh they we had like. Uh, three games and three draws, one right. one each time against Leipzig, against Köln, against team that we need to win. Uh, but then, so so far, I thought that would be we would be crushed by PSG because we're just not playing well. Uh, we got struggling defense. We got players like Sadio Mane who are uh, injured, so I, I'm not sure he's going to be back for the first leg. And we're just playing terribly. And and then like Mbappe was injured, and we won our uh, two previous games uh, by a large margin. Uh, I think that we won the first one like 4-5-0 and then we won the second one something like 6-2 or 6-3. So it, it, it gives you that that confidence to like go back in the Champions League because the, the early January has been quite terrible for a club like us. So I do believe that the momentum has switched tight a little bit because of Mbappe's injury and Bayern's uh, recent results. But 
the home game in Paris, like the first game is going to be a hard challenge, really hard challenge. I think harder than then because it's not the first time that we're facing PSG in the past couple of years in Champions League. Uh, we're actually meeting them um, almost every season. But I think that it's going to be the hardest challenge we had so far in Paris. Uh, <clears throat> I think I'm going to ride with Bayern Munich in this one. They've, they've hurt me a lot in the Champions League recently. But PSG right now, they miss Mbappe like you guys have been talking about. To me, they haven't been super convincing in the league from what I'm watching. I've watched a few of their games and Bayern Munich seemed to be, they were kind of in the same spot, not super convincing, but it seems like they're picking up form. And then as far as that, oh, those other two and that Trident at PSG, Neymar, I've heard rumored could miss yeah, he's got that some first leg as well. Going on, I think. Yeah, still from, I think that World Cup tackle that's kind of lingering around. And then Messi right now, even though he did score quite a goal uh, this weekend, I think, uh, just seems on that World Cup hangover right now. Still kind of celebrating. He's Come relaxed. On, he, want, like, he wants that he eighth really... Ballon d'Or. I know, I know. It's and... it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see you mentioning that Messi hangover. Uh, how how hard that World Cup in winter impacted uh, teams that are playing in the Champions League? Yeah, especially and that's a really good point too. We talk about how Paris hasn't been in the best of form since World Cup. Three of their better players, Messi, Mbappe, and like Hakimi, were all playing super late. Obviously, Morocco was Final Four, but they played the third place game. So, you know, they're still playing that that last game. So, yeah, a good thing is that um, Bayern, uh, the second game is uh, in Munich. And we know that playing in the Allianz Arena in the Champions League is one of the hardest things in Europe. It's like a, it's like a hove, you know, there is all the fans and there is that pressure of, of playing in Munich. So it's a good thing that we have that second game at home because if we do well in Paris, like for example, if we win, if we win in Paris, we are qualified. I'm, I'm 100% sure of that uh, because there's no way we're losing in Munich after winning in Paris. And even though we're losing or just having a bad game in Paris, we know that we have that second game in Munich uh, that awaits us to do better than we did in Paris. So that's a good thing for, for us. I think it's an advantage we have of playing the second game in Paris. In, in Munich, sorry. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think even coming out with a draw, I feel really confident. Uh, with yeah. Byron going through, I'm just like a firm believer midfields win when you game, especially in long tournaments like this. And Verratti hasn't been too great. I know he's had some injuries with them. And I just really like uh, Josh Kimmich and uh, Leon Goretzka in there. I think that's going to carry. Yeah. And without that trident, too, I mean, I I trust Byron's attack to score more than a Killian Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, potentially a Neymar less first leg. I don't know who's yeah. filling in for them. Bayern so, really does have about like six guys up front that can. Yeah, at least it's six. just there's yeah. just something like I I can't explain it like with words, but like Bayern Munich in the Champions League for some reason it's like Real Madrid has it too. Even when they're counted out and this is like a bad year for them, we kind of saw it with uh, the years they threepeated. They weren't winning the league. They weren't super convincing. But those are just two clubs that for whatever reason when it's Champions League time, like they're just they just turn into the best versions of themselves. So it's so hard for me, again, without like that Mbappe and that Trident firing to see PSG going through. And like Evan said, like massive point having that second game in Munich. Yeah. And we do have also uh, Jan Sommer. So I'm I'm really excited to see him playing in Champions League. But with, because let's be honest, Mönchengladbach doesn't play that much of European Cup games. So it will be mm-hmm. not the first time, obviously, for him. But 
we're not used to seeing playing big games either with Switzerland or Mönchengladbach. So that's going to be like a huge meeting for him, uh, meeting Paris. And we know also that story with Mbappe during the Euro when he, he saved all the penalties for Switzerland. So I'm really excited to see Jan Sommer playing in the Champions League for Bayern. So that game, that one's, I think, probably number one of my most excited to watch. Unfortunately, though, the next game, at least... For me, I'm not very familiar with the two clubs. It's going to be Club Bruges and Benfica. And it looks like it's going to be wherever Club Bruges plays. Brugge? I don't know. I'm going to stop talking about where it's from. Depends. It's, it's depends on the language, isn't it? it? It's in Belgium. Yeah, it depends. On, so technically, they are in, in the Flemish part of, of Belgium. So I guess you should say like... Brugge or something like that. I don't speak Flemish, so. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're in Belgium. They're like one of the most important club of Belgium uh, football history. Well, just because you said that, I'm going to pick them. I know, <laughs> that's, I, that's I, know <laughs> I know Benfica doesn't have Enzo Fernandez anymore. And I know it's only one player. And he's like probably the only player I actually know in Benfica too. Just because I'm going to I'm gonna be that guy. I'm going to pick Club Bruges. Where where is the first game? Is it in Bruges or it, yeah in, yeah? Okay, um, playing clubs like that in in the Champions League in in the round of sixteen at home it might be a little bit hard because they these kind of clubs it's like you know uh, Russian clubs or Scottish clubs like basically European clubs that are used to playing European competition but are like from what we call like the second zone that never really passed the group phases or the round of sixteen. It's always hard to play. Um, in the home field, especially for the first game. Um, also, a thing that is not to avoid is that uh, in Belgium, uh, in February, it might be cold. Uh, I know this might sound stupid, but when, you play, when you're playing uh, an important game, it, it, it counts, like the, the weather and temperature. So it might be uh, another thing to take in account. So I think I think Benfica might, uh, might struggle a little bit in the, uh, in the first game in Bruges, but then Coming back in Portugal, you know, nothing, nothing really to worry about Benfica. I think they have uh, an an easy draw uh, taking Bruce. They could have took like Dortmund or I don't know who, but I think they have an easy draw. So maybe they'll be struggling a little bit at the first game, but then coming back in Portugal, that will that will be most likely to be easy for them. Especially, I think. I mean, I'm not following the champ- the the Portuguese championship, but I think they have in once again against a great season. So all easy for Benfica. Yeah, I'm gonna go Benfica. Uh, Bruce was actually pretty impressive in those in the uh, group stage of the Champions League. Always, um, always they have they do have some some good players. Teams like teams from Asia like uh, Anderlecht and and Bruges, they have they always have like young guys that that are then might be signing into big clubs. Kevin De Bruyne is 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 obviously used to playing those. A huge mm-hmm. Belgian club before joining the Premier League, and and also the Bundesliga with Wolfsburg. So they all they they always a lot of like young players that you might see in in, in the Belgium national team in a few years uh, after. So yeah, they always but they need to be taken seriously. They are they are important club of Europe. So the Belgium Championship is is a good one. So so yeah, it's always you know it's not an easy one, but Benfica might win. Yeah, I don't know Benfica just. Uh, looking at the run of form they're on, look pretty good. Bruges isn't too great right now in the league. But again, like Evan said, those Champions League nights, they just, there's some different. Those players get up for the game. But 
I kind of been peaking a blowout in this one, to be honest. If you if you remember um, Atalanta uh, two years ago during yeah. COVID, they they went they reached their semifinals, I think, if I remember well. So yeah, they almost knocked off have... PSG. Yeah, one of two things is going to happen after this these fixtures. Either I'm going to be annoying and grill Grant for saying <laughs> it was going to be a blowout, or I'm going to be looking like an idiot for picking them in the first place. <laughs> but the last fixture that we're going to talk about today is going to be Dortmund and Chelsea, which is going to be such Dortmund. A, such a cool one. Yeah, such a cool that one. one. I'm just sad that the second game isn't in Dortmund because I've talked about those atmosphere with Munich. Uh, it's also the case with Liverpool, obviously. Uh, and Dortmund is one of the things. Uh, the atmosphere is Dortmund, I think. I think it's it might be the greatest atmosphere in Germany and one of the greatest in Europe. So playing Champions League in Dortmund is always special. And I'm kind of sad that the second game isn't in Dortmund. But Chelsea, hey, English atmosphere, so great too. Yeah, funny little side note about Dortmund and their atmospheres. Prior to considering myself a fan, I always knew Dortmund from the the pictures of their atmosphere and their... their um, the, the yellow arrangement. wall, yeah. The yellow wall, and yeah. um, when I got to college, one of our friends, she had like she had a Dortmund hat for some reason. It was like her stepdad's or something. And like every time we were there, I would like try and take that hat because I was I tried to explain to them that like Dortmund was so cool. I didn't know they were called Dortmund at the time. I just called them BVB. Um, <laughs> makes it extra funny to me. But I just like knew them because they had this reputation for having great atmosphere. Um, having said all that, though. I don't know why I said that because I think I, I'm going to pick Dortmund. Um, Chelsea, obviously, we've been talking a lot about Chelsea and all these different players they've been acquiring and everything, but it has yet to fully mesh as they, I think they, yeah, it was 0 0. They drew with um, Fulham, I think. Yep. Yeah, they drew Fulham. I, I just don't think they're going to have enough time to fully integrate all these pieces to get their envisioning from this squad. And I think, unfortunately, the timing of this matchup just comes. Yeah. Poor timing for Chelsea. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I think you're right. Because I might say, I want to say Dortmund. I think they're going to win, but it's going to be such a close game and, and a hard challenge for them. Uh, not, not an easy draw for Dortmund. But I think they're going to win. But as you said, you know, the thing with Chelsea is that they, they've been doing all those transfers this winter. And, and it's just... If they had like a, a team like, for example, Bruges to face, that would have been a little bit easier. But facing Dortmund with all the new guys and, and so forth, the results in the Premier League haven't been that good. So, yeah, despite the the second game being home for Chelsea, I, th- I think Dortmund's going to win. Close one, but uh, Dortmund wins. Yeah, uh, Dortmund defensively are pretty sound, especially in recent weeks. They've been playing really well. And Chelsea are struggling to score goals against average and lower sided or uh, level Premier League teams right now. And then Dortmund too. I mean, they have guys that are usually pretty injury prone, like Marco Royce, my guy, favorite non-Barca player. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Giovanni Reina is all healthy. So that's Great really form. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I have three goals, three games off the bench since the World Cup. Two of them closers, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, one was a game winner for sure. One, they were up like 4-1 this weekend. but uh, I think the one prior was a winner though too. Oh, there you go. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Chelsea, the problem with them, which is still so scary, I don't care if Graham Potter's the manager. He, he's awful. It kind of went related to the NBA where sometimes 
teams don't mesh very well, but they're so star powered at any point they can just take over a game. Like I could a hundred percent, if you told me Chelsea went on to beat Dortmund, like two, no three, one, the game, because Mudrick just had like the game of his life. Like that would not surprise me. I mean, the chance of it happening pretty low, but yeah, just like the amount of players they have. The yeah, I see, they what, have, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That wouldn't be crazy, but I am still going with Dortmund. I just have a feeling that Morgan's going to pick against Chelsea because the man hates them. So yeah. <laughs> it might just be a sweep for Dortmund. Next week, we're going to cover the remaining games. It'll be Liverpool, Real Madrid, Frankfurt, Napoli, Leipzig, oh. Man City, Inter, and Porto. So we'll cover those ones next week. We just wanted to get these ones out of the way because these games are going to be played first. No need in covering those until it's right around the corner. Before we head out, though, it'd be we'd be remiss to not mention that unfortunately our, our guy jesse marsh was let go at, at leeds and it sucks because they just got wes and mckinney we were getting the whole avengers out there it was just a matter of time until you know they did something but they're sitting pretty low on the table so you know at the end of the day it's yeah. the results business yeah great guy but like you said results business i was pretty sad opening my phone to see that and i was like shaking getting ready to open up the leads subreddit to see what they were saying but yeah they said the guy's a sweetheart but you know just couldn't get the results so i don't know hey next u.s men's national team coach potentially in the works you didn't hear it from me but you did if it was right zadon <laughs> yeah. we're gonna convince zadon oh no that would be know, like, <laughs> that would be crazy well, Leeds are out here. They're like, well, Aston Villa hired uh, Unai Emre. I forget who the other club was that hired like a pretty significant manager. But they were like, they genuinely think like Pochettino could come to Leeds. Uh, Jose wants to return to the Premier League. So that's what they're thinking right now. Yeah, both ex-Spurs managers, I yeah. just would like to point out. But yeah, so we'll see what's going on with them. Hopefully they stay up because I want to see the American boys. But Evan, did you have anything else for us? No, not really. Um, there's just I want to say something because I I finally uh, caught up with the show um, about um, Welcome to Wrexham uh, with Ryan Reynolds oh, and, yeah. and Rob. Uh, I don't remember his name, but uh, I was interested into yeah because I, it, it's actually very cool. I, I'm enjoying it. I still have to watch like the so I'm I'm out half show basically i'm just waiting for my dad this weekend to uh, end up watching the show but so i got interesting into afc rexham results um and they do play an fa cup game against um sheffield united tomorrow i think so yep. it's, it's a like, rematch it's a, it's too a, yeah it's a rematch because they had the draw against uh at the first game so they it's should a rematch, have won. so they should have won too. yeah such a close one uh but huge game like three three so yeah, I would say, hey, let's go see Rick Sons be at Sheffield <laughs> tomorrow in the FA Cup. That would be crazy. Yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> that's our uh, that's our honorary team where we all just support them. Yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. Yeah. When he said soccer show, I thought for sure he was going to say Ted Lasso. I was like, oh, here we go. It would have been a transition from can't. Jesse Marsh. I, so. no, I still I still can't <laughs> watch it. Didn't have Apple TV Plus, so just wait uh, till it's all. It's not just very soccery. Yeah, yeah, it's more, yeah. It's more of like a like zany. But well, kinda... welcome to Rexham is like it's like a true documentary about. about yeah, the no, club, it's so awesome. It's, it's yeah, I gotta start watching that. If you like soccer, both great programs to watch. With that being said, that'll do it for our tenth ever episode of our messy episode. eleven podcast. Our our messy. Our messy. Next, <laughs> next will be yeah. eleven. You know, we'll have we'll have our whole starting eleven out. Yeah. So. Oh, we shouldn't have that from the beginning. Yeah. Anyway. Oh well. <laughs> But 
Thanks again for watching, guys. We'll catch you guys next week.